Welcome to a day of prayer. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Together, let's engage in relationship with Christ through prayer, faith, and His Word. Good morning. I am Promise, and you're listening to Dare Prayer's Morning Bible Study. We're glad you could join us. Before we get into the Word, let's pray. Lord, just thank you for today. Just thank you for coming to our midst and just being inside of our midst every day of the week and every moment of the day. Mm-hmm. Lord, also just thank you for just giving us your me- your message and just helping it, helping us. To understand it. In the name of Jesus, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Well, I want to welcome everybody to our morning Bible study as we continue in Romans. We are going to reread Romans 11, verses 25 through 36. So, could I get a volunteer to do that, please? I will do that. Thank you, honey, honey. You're welcome. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. And so all Israel will be saved, as it is written, the Deliverer will come come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. For this is my covenant with them, when I take away their sins." Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so these also have now been disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. For God has committed them all to disobedience that he might have mercy on all. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has become his counselor or who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him. For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Amen. Amen. So Amen. as we, we typically do here, I want to open the floor up to you guys to provide the opportunity to share what you hear the Holy Spirit speaking and ministering to you. And of course, to ask any questions that you have. All right. So who would like to begin? Don't jump at once. <laughs> If you guys don't have anything, I can say something. You can go, Molly. Did you have something? Not right now. Not right now? Okay. Um, Excuse me. As I was looking at this, it, um, I think I referenced this in uh, one of the previous podcasts when we were covering either chapter, earlier parts of chapter 11 or chapter 12 when we were talking about the mystery of the Lord bringing in the rest of his sheep that weren't of the house of Israel that Jesus mentioned when, mm-hmm. when he was in his natural earthly ministry. 
And, you know, here we, we see that in writing, like the foundation and the groundwork that was laid in the Holy Spirit through Paul expressing this understanding um, so that the believers would know this is part of the plan of God. It's not an accident. It's not, you know, Israel is not cast away. Don't misunderstand what's going on, but understand the wisdom of the Lord and his wisdom that there's no counsel against it. There's no one who can out strategize him. There's no one who can say, God, what are you doing? You know, all of those things, because he is so wonderful, so wise and such a mighty, loving, thorough and compassionate God that he can do all these things and still maintain his righteousness. But it it reminds me of a, a spiritual truth that we should be aware of. And that is when God made mankind and he placed um, man and woman in the the garden, Ish and Isha in the garden, he told them to have dominion and have authority and to subdue. And when he said that, he gave them the right to command and give permissions and have authority over what took place in the earth. Their job was to subdue it and make it look like God. Their job was to enforce the blessing and the will of the Lord in the earth by carrying it out, um, being submitted to God, resisting the devil, (laughs) and then the devil would flee from them, but also to take his presence and cover the earth with it and his way of doing things. So when we're looking at this, remembering that God needs mankind's permission to do things in the earth. That's why he's always got an intercessor. That's why he, we have, um, the work of the Holy Spirit, so that way we can open the door for him to do things. And why this is important here is because I think I mentioned this in a a podcast or two ago about his covenant. God had to have permission to do things. Um, And the covenant he had with Abraham, which is what he's referencing the Uh, verse 28, concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. That's referencing the covenant that God had with Abraham. And there's, he always has a remnant, at least one human that will believe him and trust him and give him authority and permission to do his will in the earth because God doesn't violate his covenant. The enemy came to subvert authority and Adam turned it over to him. But us as believers, we open the door for God to work in the earth and carry out his plan by cooperating with him through our prayers and through actively um, engaging in faith with God. So this plan is coming to pass and coming about because of the covenant that Abraham made with him and the permission that in the, in the covenant exchange, it opened the God, which is a, maybe a more articulate way of saying that opened the door for the Lord to come into the earth and to do his will in the earth, which is such a dynamic and powerful um, mm-hmm. concept. And you, you might think, well, yes, God is good to me. Well, I don't have to give him permission, but I, I challenge you. Yes, you do. <laughs> He is good. But guess what? Even if you don't see it, he's got somebody around the world that's praying for you. So God can bless you. Now you can, for your own personal life, you might put limitations to the extent of which you enjoy that blessing, but God always has a remnant. And it's important for us 
to keep that in our mindset while we're, we're looking and reflecting upon ourselves as the apple of God's eye. Keep in mind that there's also a bigger perspective that we're a part of, which is God loving everybody, God bringing to fullness and to fruition and the finishing of everything that he's doing through the plan of salvation. And it's beautiful that it is unique to just you and I, but it also spans and covers everything, including creation, being reconciled to God. Absolutely. Absolutely, honey. And uh, in Galatians, Paul kind of writes about that exact thing, right? The Well, it goes deeper, right? Because in this section, with what you just talked about, and about blindness, and then also about, um, we can even look at verse 32, for God has committed them all to disobedience, that he might have mercy on all. In Galatians 3, 19 through 24, I'm actually going to get a volunteer to to read that. Um, and then we'll ex- 19 through 24? Yes. Three. What purpose then does the law serve? It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made. And it was appointed through angels by the hand of a mediator. Now a mediator does not mediate for one only, but God is one. Is the law then against the promise of God? Certainly not. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, truly righteousness would have been by the law. But the scripture has confined all under sin, that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Where am I supposed to stop again? Through uh, 24. Okay. Oh, actually, through 25. Okay. But before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law, kept for the faith which would afterward be revealed. Therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. Mm -hmm. Amen. So you can see in this exactly what you were saying. It's not just for one, but it's for all, right? God is one. And he talks about the mediator, not meeting for one only, right? And then he talks about the law and it was there to teach us, to tutor us about how Christ was going to operate and redeem us from the curse. And that's was it the point and purpose of all the sacrifices of all the the lambs and you know at the appointed times and at the feasts. But then he, he says it in in verse 22, but the scripture has confined all under sin, right? Which is exactly what we see here in Romans 11 verse 32. He's committed them all to disobedience. So he's confined all under sin the promise by faith in Christ might be given to those who believe. Right? That does indiscriminate, right, if you will. There's there's no difference in this case, which is what Paul the point Paul has been making for a long time. It doesn't matter if it's Jew or Greek or Jew or Gentile. All who believe in Jesus the Christ can enter in. Mm-hmm. Right? And you access his grace by faith. Or he's given to all who believe. And then he makes the, the difference. Or here's the, the inch point. Before faith came, we were kept under guard by the law. Right? But then he says, uh, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith. Mm-hmm. Right? 
And what did what did Christ say? You believe in the Father, good. Believe also in me. Mm-hmm. He is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one goes to the Father but through him. Mm-hmm. So the law kind of because it was impossible to keep all of it without violating any of it, was to point us to the fact, the truth that we could not obtain righteousness by any other way, was to make us cry out for a savior and go, okay, I just, I just need, I need somebody to do this for me. I need God. I need you to come and take all of this because I can never obtain this by myself and in my own righteousness. It was designed to make us look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith as our mediator, as our doorway, as the entry into the promises and the blessing, but the redemption that we desire um, in God and towards Mm -hmm. him. Amen. Anyone else? I'll go. All right, LaCharles. I found found verse 28. Eight interesting where it says concern the gospel they are enemies for your sake but concern the election they are beloved for the sake of the fathers and if you guys will please flip with me to 1 Kings 11 First Kings eleven. Yep. What verse, sir? Verse thirteen. However, I will not tear away the whole kingdom. I will give one tribe to your son, for the sake of my servant David, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. The Lord was showing me here is that when Paul was saying it was for the sake of the fathers, he was Paul was pointing out that the Lord keeps his promises. That, the, like when he made a promise to David and to Abraham, he still kept it. Mm-hmm. Even if the people did wrong, he still found a way to keep, both keep his words and to be just in that. So Paul is saying, is, is saying that while it appears that it's not working out, the Lord still has in his hands and still keeping his promises and everything. He's not breaking any one of them. And he's pointing out that how the Lord also uses the decisions of others to help us along in dis- our own decisions. Like mommy and dad point out often, your decision often has an effect on everybody around you. So Paul is also pointing out is that the choices of the children of Israel did have a direct effect, I would say, to the Romans in which he's writing the letter. But he's also pointing out like in the previous verses that Israel is going to come back and the Lord is going to fulfill his promise. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The, the disobedience and the rejection of Christ um, that he's referencing here, uh, verses 28 through 31. In, in Romans, honey? Or yes, what? Romans. Okay. Romans 11. I'm sorry. Um, Concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake, but concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience, even so their, 
these also have now been disobedient that through the mercy shown you, they also may obtain mercy. So the legal right, Abraham's covenant with God gave him the legal right to save Israel, to bring Mm -hmm. the savior into the world in the natural flesh, blood and bone body. And bring salvation through that way because we we know god is righteous he's a righteous judge and he follows the spiritual laws that he knows that are in place he doesn't violate them so that covenant gave him the legal right to bring the savior into the earth but how would he get to the gentiles who are not of the natural seed of abraham that rejection that he allowed to take place for a time and a season gave him the legal right to bring in the rest of us who are not of the natural seed of Abraham. It mm-hmm. gave him um, spiritual legal right, should I say, to do that. And then once that's completed, now he's got the right to restore Israel back. It's just amazing how God can know, know do, and fulfill all of these things in righteousness, but his great mercy and compassion makes him want to do these things for us. Because, I mean, thank God I'm not God. Well, let's also look at that, too, is it's built in. What, Charles, what you brought up in, in that, that verse, what's happening there? Can you explain it, or do you want me to? Because it's not just that one verse. Which one, honey? In First Kings 11. Okay. It really starts in... I'll say in verse nine, right? Um, actually, it starts in this whole chapter. But in verse nine, the Lord is saying, hey, I'm going to chastise Solomon because Solomon had set up altars to worship other gods. Yes. Right? And you see that spelled out clearly in the first eight verses of First Kings 11, right? Yes. But then he still has... It still has grace, but let's let's not forget. What was the we talked you honey, you brought up the, the Abrahamic covenant, mm-hmm. right? What was the Davidic covenant? Anybody remember or paraphrase it? That he'd have a, a king he'd always have a king to sit on the throne. Exactly. Jesus. That David would always have an heir to sit on the throne as long as they serve the Lord. If they followed him in his ways, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, he was prophetically talking about Jesus. Absolutely. But also including natural. I love how God can yes. do that. <laughs> so, so, like, so that was the point I was making is the Lord spoke. It was already built in. If you do this, if, if you will be my people, then I will be your God. All right? We, many times, like to focus on the, on the, the plus, the, the benefits, the blessings. I'll, you're right. I'm forever going to have an heir to sit on the throne. Right, so there's no doubt that Solomon has many wives, and I'm forever going to have an heir. I'm going to have an heir to sit on the throne, right? Like this is just going to happen. But no, we have a a role in this and a part to play. There is a a requirement on our end, right? Yes. Yes. And what the Lord said was full. It was complete because He always is full and complete, lacking nothing, and everything He says. We have to understand that. Because he said, as long as you do this, you serve me, you follow me, your heart is towards me, right? I'm paraphrasing. You can look it up for for yourself with the, the actual covenant the Lord made with David is. Mm-hmm. But again, understanding the will of the Lord, it is this. I will be your God and you will be my people, 
right? That's said throughout every covenant and throughout much of scripture. It is stated, it is acted out, and it is referenced, right? Yes. Okay, so, uh, or I should say it in this way, requested by the people. Amen. So that the Lord would be our God and we would be his people, right? So yes. you see here that they had Solomon, who is the king, had chosen to serve other gods. Right? And there's other places in scripture that says that Solomon's heart turned from the Lord, right? Because but of he, his many wives. Because of his many wives, exactly. He didn't stand or hold fast to his faith, the faith that had been passed down and taught to him by his father. And even in this, this discipline, this judgment, you still see the Lord's grace, right? And he says, I won't do it in your time, mm-hmm. right? So he still gave Solomon yes. grace, but he says, he says exactly what's going to happen. And you see his other, another one of his promises executed or fulfilled or carried out, which is, he, the Lord says he will leave a remnant. He will always leave a remnant. What he say here? I will leave one tribe. I won't tear it out completely. Right? I won't tear the kingdom out of his hand completely. But I will leave one tribe. So there is still someone, an heir, to rule. Right? So still keeping yes. his, his covenant and his promises that he's made with um, our forefathers, or for the Jews, their forefathers, right, with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, and clearly here even David, right? He still kept out that while fulfilling his word in full. Our role and our part is to understand completely. We can't play with the Lord, and we can't just focus on the blessings and benefits. And, and by that I mean we... I'll say it in this way, state it plainly. We cannot live however we choose or want to live and just expect God to keep blessing us. He's looking for a people after his heart and after his ways. Right? What are the, yes. the, the two greatest commandments? You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Okay. Heart, soul, mind, and strength. Loving the Lord your God with all of it, not part of it. Your entire being. Your entire being. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as we're talking about that, when we look at it, we do not neglect or forget the mercy of God and the grace of God. Amen. And that righteousness comes only through belief and salvation through Jesus Christ. And, you know, when we look through the scriptures, God has always been merciful because he says he's the Lord and he changes not. And um, there's no variation or shadow of turning in him. So what really happens is that when we disobey God, we open the door for the enemy. It's not that God suddenly becomes angry with us and he's bad to us now. But he let, when, we dis, uh, when we break covenant or break faith with God, we give the enemy opportunity to come mm-hmm. in and cause disaster. There's no perversion in God. So when we saw David and the sword and the perversion that came through his house as a result of what he did with Bathsheba, God doesn't have perversion. He's not perverted. He did not send that. That came from the enemy, clearly, who is the perverted one um, and the wicked one and the thief and all of those things. It didn't come from God. But when we 
neglect the salvation that we have. The thief who is waiting to do what? Steal, kill, and destroy, and to devour, he's seeking to destroy the very work of God. So we're not saying that you have to do anything or gain anything by works. Depend on the mercy of God, but don't abuse (laughs) the grace of God. Don't mistreat it. Don't esteem the blood of Jesus Christ lightly that you put him to open shame with with behaviors. And I'm not talking to you like everyone else. I'm talking to myself as well, us as believers. Um, We are not to trample underfoot the sacrifice that that Jesus made for us, but we should esteem it highly and understand that we were bought with a price and that we do not belong to ourselves. So it's only natural that we present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our reasonable service. Uh, That's skipping ahead just a a smidgy bit to Romans chapter 12, verse one, but it's our reasonable service of worship to the Lord, to love him and to do the things that are pleasing to him. Not a legalistic, not a robbery, not a compulsion, but a loving response. You know, when, when we are with our spouses and they hand us a cup of water or a napkin, our natural response is to say, thank you. And then to reciprocate that gesture. So that's how we treat natural husbands and wives. And we are espoused to the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is our natural response that we should have to him with all the generosity that he's displayed towards us? Mm -hmm. All of the goodness that he's withheld nothing from us. God our Father has withheld nothing. The Holy Spirit has withheld nothing. Jesus withheld nothing so how much more so should we re- return that love and I'll say repay if we could ever repay him, but to show our in-kind fellowship with him. In covenant, when, when we make covenant, there's a, a standard of I will do this and, and here's your part of that. And the covenant that we have with him is, is what you were saying, that to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves, and to let him be our God, and mm-hmm. we be his people. Amen. I think the, the key thing there, you're, um, when you're talking about God does not withhold from us, mm-hmm. um, and he doesn't withhold from us when we certainly did not deserve that grace. That grace. Or that abundance, or whatever it was that he, he doesn't withhold good. us. And yes. I think Paul's really kind of calling out the hypocrisy, Absolutely. this admonition here is like, wait a minute. The very thing that the very nature of who God is that has allowed you to come in, how twisted are you to think that this will now be held against those chosen elect, that they should somehow not come in? Exactly. Right? The very nature that made God attractive to you, the very nature of God that poured out upon you when you didn't need, why now would you want God to respond to someone else differently than that and now reject those who have actually created a pathway for you to come in that later they should come back and join in mm-hmm. and so that we even get the fullness of that with our brothers exactly. and sisters. Mm-hmm. I think that's what he was really saying. This is, this is so contrary. Like, are, you, are you crazy? Yeah. Did you See want this? Picture, Wait, yeah. Did you want God to change for you too? I mean, if you want him to apply this to the, the Jews, mm-hmm. then he should apply it to you too, right? Maybe, maybe we need to rethink this whole thing here. Because he's good to all. He, he is, has no respect. He's no respecter of person. So what he measures to one, he's got to measure across the board. That's the standard. So, absolutely. God is one, and he is God of all. Exactly. So, then it also brings us to this point, right? 
what is the point and purpose of the remnant? And the remnant is always to stand in their faith. And stand in the gap to intercede, exactly, to believe God. And point others to Christ. Always. Mm-hmm. To our Lord and Savior. That's always the point and purpose of the remnant. Mm-hmm. When everything and everyone else is in opposition and contrary, the remnant is required, has a responsibility to be the example to live out, publicly live out, and demonstrate faith and what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, a disciple, his servant. Amen? Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. All right, well, let's pause there for today. So could I get a volunteer to close us out in prayer, please? I will. All right, Layla. Lord, we just thank you for today and for giving us the opportunity to be joined together with you, Lord, that we can be one as we once were, God, that we can come in and commune with you, Lord, in perfect fellowship where there's nothing getting in between us, Lord, nothing in the way, nothing distracting us and pulling our attention away from you, God, that we can focus on what it is that you have to say, God, that you have to teach us, Lord. And we just thank you for the blessings that you've given to our partners, Lord, and the gateways that you are opening for them, Lord, that need to be open, Lord, and the ones that are that you are shutting that they don't need to be journeying down today, God. And I just thank you for your hand that's upon them, Lord, our partners with this ministry, our listeners, God, the ones that take part in these podcasts, Lord. And I just thank you for being who you are for all the days of our lives, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. We love you, God bless you, and have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening to A Day of Prayer. We trust the Lord that you are strengthened and encouraged in your relationship with Christ. Visit us on our website, adayofprayer.org, where you can check out our blog, find additional study resources, or shop the official A Day of Prayer store. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. So until next time, take care and God bless you.